Oh, hi. Welcome in. You're here for the Echoplex Media Broadcast. Oh, great. Me too. Uh, my podcast, the Full Dash Closure Audiobook and Podcast, actually sponsors Echoplex Media. Yeah. We're also on, on podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, uh, you name it. We're, we're on there. Yeah, it's about um, not just the gig economy, but corporate AI and the future of human employment and our economy. Uh, and it's it's really applicable to everybody. I think you'll be fascinated. So check it out. We've actually got uh, 14 episodes up now. So um, yeah, yeah, check that out. Let's uh, let's 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 watch Echoplex Media now. Let's see what Dave's up to. I know how to stand up to a man. I'm defenseless against that kind of female insanity. You fucking leave me alone. I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do a thing. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I've got everything I need I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree And I can walk down the streets after dark, no one wants to rape me And I can get a girl pregnant and just as easily flee Just like my straight white male dad did to me So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need I've got a pile of broken mirrors And I'm walking under ladders And I'm spilling tons of salt But to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation Are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly A penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Hey everybody, welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree We do the show live on Twitch Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. That's twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Support this project many ways. Uh, my favorite right now is eplex.store. You can sign up just like Patreon. And if you are signed up there instead of Patreon, you get uh, discounts applied to anything you order there on top of any other coupon code that you may find floating around the internet or that my bot gives out. Hopefully the coupon codes that my bot gives out are still valid when the bot gives them out. Uh, I'm producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder and my co-host with the matching hat. I am HK Perrin. You can find me on Mastodon at hparrin at port87.social. Hell yeah. <clears throat> so what's up, man? 
uh just really enjoying this hat i've worn it to two baseball games so far and actually surprisingly only one person has asked me about it <laughs> really <laughs> Yeah, I don't get asked about it as much as uh, as much as uh, I thought I would either. But I think it's possible that some people are afraid to ask. <laughs> that's true, and it's it's possible that like a lot of people are just like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, and then they just and like they don't really need to ask about it. Right, right. <laughs> They're not like, hey, bro, where'd you get that hat? Where could I get that hat, bro? <laughs> anyway, as you might have been able to tell by the uh, soundboard hits that happened before the show. We're going back to one of the most commonly covered people here on Echoplex Media, and that would be one Mr. Mr. Jordan Beeferson. Wait, that's not his last name. Uh, Mr. Jordan Peterson. This is going to be a fucking disaster because he had RFK Jr. on. RFK Jr. is running for president, kind of. (laughs) And uh, he's running as a Democrat, and this is rekindling the spirit of the classic Democrat with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. This is going to be fucking awful. Are you ready? As I'll ever be. (laughs) No sound. Uh, I mean, watching Jordan Peterson with no sound is arguably better than watching jordan peterson with sound <laughs> but there no sound coming from the browser is actually a pretty big problem are you muted check if you're oh, muted browser's just muted all right <laughs> it's not as big a problem as i thought it was again everybody this show's live <laughs> hello everyone hi today i'm speaking with writer attorney environmentalist i want to talk to whoever you bought that suit from and 2024 presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We discuss how the Democratic Party has become one of fear and ideology. It's inexplicable conclusion with fear and ideology. You know, if you ask me, like, of the two parties in the United States, which one is defined by fear and ideology? I certainly would not say the Democrats. Both parties are ostensibly defined by some kind of ideology. Otherwise, there wouldn't be more than one of them. (laughs) Uh, That is true. But like, just watch Fox News and it's just like all fear mongering 100% of the time. How the COVID-19 pandemic became an issue of tribal allegiance. The use of the doomsday climate narrative for political gains. What can actually be done with renewable energy? And why the era of Kennedy Democrats can not only be revived, but uniting for Americans across boundaries, both physical and philosophical. What made you decide to throw your hat in the ring on the presidency for the presidency at this point? Well, I saw the country going in a direction and my political party going in a direction that was very troubling to me. Um, You know, the country won really because it needs a reboot. Uh, but, you know, my the role of my political party, I felt like um, like the Democrats kind of got derailed. When he and says the country the needs suddenly, a reboot, uh, seriously. does he mean that he doesn't like the Constitution? No, I think it's just a platitude, right? I don't think he, if you if you were to like have a real interviewer, he might get stopped and go, well, what do you mean when you say the country needs a reboot? Yeah, does he mean like violent revolution? I don't 
I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think uh, he would certainly say, he would probably say that's not what he means. Um, I don't know what he means by a reboot. Maybe they'll get to that, but I doubt it. Obviously of war, when they were always skeptical of the military industrial complex, uh, they became the party of censorship, which is abhorrent to every definition of liberalism. They became the party of fear, which is against our, you know, traditions. Uh, uh, yes, Americans have never been a frightened people. In his 1932 <laughs> inaugural address said that the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. And he understood that fear is a weapon of uh, of totalitarian elements and totalitarian control. But you, this guy just spent the last three plus years fear mongering about the vaccine. That he did, yeah. And he continues to, he's going to do it in this interview. I think well, he's telling on himself. Uh, it became the, the party of the neocons, which again was antithetical. The neocons were Republican, very, you know, belligerent, pugnacious foreign policy about uh, subduing the world and establishing hegemony through violence. Um, it became the party of Wall Street. Uh, President Biden has surrounded himself with wall street and and you know and uh, but like the, the 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 guy before him like he surrounded himself with people that kept getting indicted <laughs> like at least the <laughs> biden crooks know how to fucking like they ought to be a crook like the song that was playing before like if you weren't if you weren't tuned into twitch you're not you wouldn't hear it but the the the, the, the banker song about how good men borrow and great men steal it's like that's at least the biden people know how to like be a ghoul that covers their tracks i don't know Legal crookery. The party that had forgotten its roots in the middle class of our country and started regarding uh, people, you know, the cops, the firefighters, the uh, union members, the people who were the bedrock of the of the Democratic Party as deplorables. Yeah, the Democrats are well known for hating the fucking firefighters. What the fuck? Nobody hates the firefighters. Yeah, what the like cops? Yes, I totally understand that one firefight no one hates what the fuck is he on about i bet firefighter if you polled like would poll like in the 90 percent percentile of both political parties of people who are you know what i'm saying like do you have a favorable view of firefighters like 90 percent plus of both parties would probably say well yeah yep there'd be a few there'd be a few whack out wacko libertarians on the right who would say yeah and then there'd be a bunch of dumb maybe a bunch of dumb shit libs on the left you don't understand the question and say no um, and all of those trends and others were uh, were disturbing to me. And I actually, Jordan, started thinking about running uh, before it was really viable, before I considered it viable, but just to, you know, to be able to. It's still not viable. Protected somewhat. He's not going to win. If you're running for president, there's actually federal rules that make it illegal for uh, for the network TV. Uh, to censor presidential candidates, and uh, but my my wife are there? Let me run for. for Wait, no, I don't think there are. There, what do you mean censor them? The network TV can't censor you. All they can do is be like, "Oh no, we're not going to interview you." Does that what he? Is that what he means by censorship? I have no idea. Uh, when he's talking about TV censoring someone, I'm just thinking like he's trying to say fuck on on cable TV or something. Well, they, you can. They don't. They don't bleep out uh, swear words at the debates. Actually, okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about then. 
But, uh, you know, if I didn't intend to win. And then last spring, a pollster named Jeremy Zogby, who once runs one of the biggest polling houses in, in North America. Oh, I'm almost sure that's going to be a friend of Steve Bannon if people look up Zogby. Um, and had been polling me without my knowledge for several months. Uh, asked to see me, and he sat down with me and showed me the polling results that, that showed up. A uh, you know a, a very clear path that I could have to victory, and with those I was able to. How are you polling right now? Persuade my wife and my kids that this was a good idea, and I think at this point they're pretty happy with you know the last two months. How are you doing in the polls at the moment, as far as you can tell, with credible polls? Well, the the public poll I average about twenty percent. Um, which is good. I mean, my candidacy is not being treated twenty percent um, as serious by the mainstream media. I think maybe it is a little bit more so, but it was originally dismissed as kind of a fringe candidacy. But I'm actually doing much better than uh, than DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, does against Trump. I'm doing much better against Biden. So it's uh, I think that that is just a media bias. Um, and my, our internal poll numbers are much, much better. And yeah, because that's your polling. You're calling your, your yes, you're calling. Yes. Yes. You know, when, when we, when we call all of the donors that we have, uh, their phone numbers, 20% of them say that they would vote for me. <laughs> Like the, the thing about internal polling is like, it's always going to skew your direction. The point of the internal polling isn't to find out what the raw numbers are. It's to maybe spot trends that are happening before the main pollsters do. It's not to, yeah, the only, yeah, you can only spot like big trends with inter with like your own polling, because like, if you don't like what your pollster is telling you, you might fire them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think maybe no one's ever explained that to him. This is amazing. I think the most significant thing for Democrats over the long term is that our internal polls show that I do much better against uh, President Trump than President Biden does. Oh, I beat him by, by almost double the percentage that President Biden does. And I do even better against Governor DeSantis. How does Biden do against DeSantis? Um, I, so, and I think that, you know, if the, if the public polling reflects that, I think that it, that's going to be very persuasive to a lot of Democrats who really see the, the uh, you know, the election as just a, a battle to keep Donald Trump from retaking the White House again. And I, I think a lot of Democrats who don't like me, I think mainly because of the propaganda um, that has dominated the very, very negative propaganda and negative portrayals of me and the, um, the misinterpretations of my viewpoints, which have dominated the media and the public consciousness um, over the past several years, that that will begin to recede a little. The more That's the his way of saying, you're taking me out of context. That, you know, if the polling shows that I am more likely to be President Trump than President Biden, I think it will... Uh, it will force a lot of Democrats to take a second look at me. 
Why, why do you think that people feel that you might be a better alternative to Trump than Biden is? Like, what is it about what you bring to the table that's making you more credible on that front? Well, the, the, I think the reason my numbers show that is, is that I've been able to bridge the divide between Republicans and Democrats. So a lot of my supporters, I have, I think I do better than any candidate with independents, which are now the biggest political party. And I, I appeal to a lot of Republicans as well. Um, and no, no, this guy's got a ceiling of like 15 to maybe 20% because his, he's going to just appeal to anti-vaxxers. Yeah, he, he kind of has like a base of crazy people uh, and he does not appeal beyond that base. Right. He, I don't think he understands that even if it trend, even if he started out at like 9% and then made it up to, you know, 16, 17, I don't see that ceiling being any higher than the 20%, which is the highest number that he said. And I don't mean just in like the Democratic Party. I mean, like in a general election, like of people who, if they had their choice of, you know, if it's him versus Trump, I, I'm fucking going to, I don't even know. I'm, I'm fucking, fucking, I just won't vote, I guess. I don't know what else to tell you, but if it was, if it was him versus Trump, I do think that he would beat Trump. Uh, but like, I don't think that that matters. The, the bar should not be beats Trump. I mean, it should just be, who do you think the best candidate is? That's what the primary is for. They're going to, they're going to get into the, some crap about like Biden, not wanting to debate him too. And I can already predict that. But when do you remember the last time that an incumbent president had debates during the primaries? They they haven't, they're going to get into that though. I guarantee it. He'd be like, he's afraid to debate me, bro. (laughs) You know, president Biden can do that. And if you just do the math, you know, I, in the end, I'm gonna. It's likely that I'll get almost all the Democrats who vote. If I, if I'm right, if it's me against, say, let's say President Trump, the likelihood is that most Democrats would vote for me, and that he will get very little crossover. Yo, Trump would go after this guy and be the guy like, "This guy's a kook. He's an anti-vaxer. I brought the vaccine," and then boom, he's it's over because then like. <laughs> Could you imagine how the, the the MAGA people that hate the vaccine would would think about that? They're like, well, it's it's Trump and I'm MAGA, but also that guy hates the vaccine and I hate the vaccine. Who do I vote for? I, I mean, mean, obviously they'd vote for Trump, but like, again, I don't think that this guy would like, I don't think Democrats would vote for for Trump over him, obviously. But that doesn't mean that all Democrats that would vote if Biden came out would also vote if he came out. Yeah, I I think it would be a very low turnout election, actually. Uh, on the Democrat side, I believe you, yeah. Whereas I will still get a lot of Republican votes and I'll get... Uh, I'll dominate the demo- the independent votes. At least. No, that's where he's that wrong. If it were him versus Trump, he wouldn't get any Republican votes. He'd get zero Republican votes. I think that's incorrect. I think he. I think he would get a lot of Republican votes. I don't. I just don't think. I think it would be like so many Democrats would stay home that it would really only matter who got the most Republican votes between the two of them, and maybe independents, but. I don't know what he's talking about with independence because the, the polling of independence is useless until you have your two candidates anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, my, that, that is not, that observation or that is not just an artifact of our polling, but it's, um, you know, it, it's reflected in conversations that I have every single day of people approaching me in airports, of um, on airplanes, of, you know, when I'm, I'm doing, you know, when I'm in the countryside, which I have to go to a lot in rural areas, urban areas, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting a strong response and the response. But that's because you're like RFK junior event. And then a bunch of fucking anti-vaxxers and fucking Stu Peters show up. Like it's like everybody that comes to my events likes me. That's like me saying like every, like everybody that comes to a DJ gig to see me thinks I'm a better DJ than somebody else. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We, if we had a competition, maybe they're better than I am. And I just play more Madonna than they do because I'm gay. Like who knows? <laughs> I don't, Oh, this is all, this is all, this is all really bad. If I didn't live in America or if there were like actually no stakes for this, like if we had a, a more of a parliamentary system where the executive didn't have that much power, I'd be all for him versus Trump just for the fucking chaos, just for the chaos. <laughs> there, there's no, there is no Twitch channel or even news outlet better equipped to cover Donald Trump versus RFK Jr. than Echoplex Media. <laughs> like we're just, we're <laughs> uniquely positioned for that kind of thing. but. I, I think it's a very low probability event. So I think it's a true, you know, the polling is reflecting something that's really happening. Right. Well, it isn't obvious to me, and, and this leads into another line of question, exactly why you're running on the Democrat ticket. Because you, as you just pointed out, your policies, at least in principle, could appeal to Republicans as well. And that might make you a unique candidate on the Democrat on the Democrat side. I guess I'm curious about why do you, so there's an analogy, I believe, between what's happened to the universities. I don't know if that is unique on the Democrat Democrat side. There are a lot of Democrats that appeal to Republicans. You know, there, there are a lot of Democrats in that kind of in between area. And I just don't think there are as many Republicans that would appeal to Democrats. You know, Republicans tend to be much more in line with kind of the the Republican Party platform when they have a party platform. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, that, that's, I don't, I don't, li- I don't like um, having conversations about like horse race politics. Uh, one, it's like not my thing, and two, I think it's, I think it's it's way more complicated than that. And I think with the, with more and there being more people declared independent than Democrat or Republican, I think it's more important to like, think about how those people might vote because they're going to be the ones deciding. What I saw happen in the universities was that the administration took over the faculty, the faculty retreated in 3000 micro steps and the administration moved forward. And that happened over about a 25 year period until the administration had captured the universities completely. And then the- The administration has captured the university? Motherfucker, that's who administers the university. They didn't have to capture it, it's theirs. They run the show. That's like saying the C-suite has captured this company. (laughs) The people who work here run the company and that's not right. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah, the administration captured the university. They make, they fucking make policy. (laughs) 
EI types took over the... I think he wants like co-op universities. And it looks to me like something analogous happened within the Democrats. Like I worked with the Democrats for a long time in California trying to help by, 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 by DEI, do you mean... Diverse, diversity, equity, and inclusivity. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> RFK is trying to run as a Republican. He's like, listen, I can't do that one with you, all right? I got I to gotta pretend here. <laughs> or he's trying to run as a Democrat, I mean. He's like, I can't do... I can't go down this particular rabbit hole with you. Social justice warrior types within the universities. And so what I saw among the Democrats that I worked with was that they were unable to draw a dividing line. What if RFK Jr. just bodies him on this shit right here? Because he is like, <laughs> he's a liberal guy. He's like, I don't agree with him on COVID stuff. And he's got some weird, he's got some weird views about other things, but he's like a liberal guy. And so what if he just absolutely bodies Jordan Peterson on this particular matter? I think it would be great. And I, I would, I would applaud him for it. And I would never vote for him. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's like when Marianne Williamson absolutely obliterated Dave Rubin. <laughs> Between the moderate types and the radicals. So, and this is something maybe I'll push you about. So, for example, I went to Washington. I talked to a lot of Democrats, senators and congressmen, about what I saw happening in the broad public sphere, but also in the Democrat Party. And I asked, I asked them this question. When does the left go too far? And none of them were able to answer. And even though it's completely obvious that the left can go too far, I mean, that's one of the cardinal lessons of the 20th century. And I suggested that the left goes too far when it pushes equity. And all I got is... Yeah, yeah, fucking, uh-uh, the dude's trying to win a Democratic primary. He, he, ain't, gonna, he ain't going down. He ain't go He's probably not going to disagree with him. He's probably just going to kind of, uh, okay, whatever him in some sort of way. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, this is this is bad. He's he's fucked. He's fucked. Like he's a Kennedy. He was born with so much goddamn money that if he says yeah, equity is bad, then he just looks like the fucking elitist that he's trying to say that he's in there to fight against because because that's who he's trying to court with the anti-vaccine rhetoric. There's there's no there's no path forward for him. I think fucking Joe Biden should debate him, and he should just be like, hey, are you? I, uh, I don't care what your question was. Uh, this is a Kennedy over here telling you that he's going to go after the elites. Like, like yeah, there's no uh, way, there's no way he can answer this. <laughs> I don't think Joe should uh, should debate him, but th that would be very funny to see. Democrats, senators, and congressmen like was, well, the people who say equity, they just mean equality of opportunity. No, and that's not what they mean. No, they I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, you cannot have equality of opportunity for the second for the next generation without some leveling of the playing field of the outcome of the current generation. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's you cannot like socioeconomic status is the number one in, indicator of the next generation's socioeconomic status. <laughs> yep. And yeah, I, I think that he's just going to let Jordy Pete cook here and not say shit. That's what I'd advise him to do. I'd be like, hey, Jordan Peterson's going to say some weird shit about like race and about like class. And what you need to do is just kind of kind of sit there and act like you just didn't. And then just pretend that you were like, oh, well, he was just kept talking and I couldn't get in. That's what, that's what I'd do. <laughs> outcome, And that's not the same thing at all. And I saw in that inability to draw that distinction. Part of the reason that the Democrats have shifted it's a really long the question described quest statement in the direction that seems to be opposed <laughs> in many ways to the best interests of both the working class and the middle class, 
but also characterized by this incredible strain of illiberalism and corporate fascist collusion, the sort of thing that you document, for example, in the relationship between the power elites and big pharma. And so my sense on the Democrat side, I couldn't shift the Democrats to the point, the ones that I was talking to, to the point where they would draw... I will agree that there is corporate collusion, but... And even in big pharma, but he and I disagree on where that is in big pharma. <laughs> right. He's just using, it's an old anti-vaccine talking point. They're like, well, I'm just real skeptical of big pharma and I don't want to take their vaccines. Like, I don't know. As soon as you became aware of the anti-vaccine movement, HK, I'm sure that you would heard some, you heard one of them say that exact shit. And you were like, I'm not sure that's what you're really talking about. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that the, the $10 COVID shot is where big pharma is fucking you over. But the $350 insulin, there you go. Well, both of these people can, that's affordable to both of these people. Yep. Radicals. It just didn't seem possible. And so but he gave you your chance right there, RFK Jr., to just go in on Big Pharma and forget he said anything else during that fucking two and a half minute quest statement. You think, I don't think the universities are salvageable, by the way. So why do you think the Democrats are salvageable? Well, I don't think we have a choice. We have a two-party system, and I, um, you know, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I feel like my party's being taken away from me in some ways. By who? Like people half your age? Um, the kind of ideologies, the extreme ideologies, and really, you know, the departure of, of, of common sense uh, that I think troubles you and a lot of, you know, the things that you think about. And, uh, but I, I mean, why do I think it's salvageable? Because I, I'm talking to people on the street. I, you know, there's so many people who have responded to my candidacy positively because they see it as return to, you know, uh, being a Kennedy Democrat. They, you know, the Democratic Party. That Man, there aren't that many of them left, dude. <laughs> um, you know, that they thought reflected their values, their ideologies and their best interests and the best interests of this country and that was likely to you know build on an america that they can be proud of that their children can be proud of and that has moral authority around the world and um you know all of the things there are we'd like policies from you know the 60s that i'd like to go back to uh for example taxation of the wealthy uh, we used to tax the wealthy at like 90%. Oh, you know who the first one to go back to that? You know who the first one to tear, start tearing at that was? Who? JFK. <laughs> well, I think most people would like to see... I think the Democratic Party has been hijacked, as you say, by uh, kind of some extreme ideologies and, uh, and in some cases kind of irrational... I don't know, thought patterns. <laughs> and, um, and I think that kind of a, uh, the, the idea of returning it to common sense is appealing to a lot of people. And yeah, I, but common sense is appealing to everybody because they think you're just telling them that what they think is common sense is how we should do things. <laughs> common sense is like a we like a, like a, it's like two words. It's like a weasel words. It doesn't mean shit. <laughs> Uh, flat earthers say that the earth being flat is common sense. Right. And it's fine. Like, and you're, you know, if you're, if you're just talking to somebody at a bar and you're like, oh, I think it's common sense that blah, 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 whatever. There's no stakes there. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing 
there's, yeah, there's nothing there. You're just having a conversation at a bar. Mm-hmm. But if it's the president, the president's just not telling you anything by saying, well, we're going to do common sense. I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking those things, but I, and they seem to be reflected both in my polling and in the kind of reaction I get from people on the street and on Twitter and, you know. Uh, but Elon Musk is boosting you on Twitter. Things that make me feel that way, but, you know, I could be wrong. Well, I mean, part of the reason that I was willing to work with the Democrats to begin with, and I did that for about five years, was because I thought, I think like you do, according to what you just said, that, well, you kind of have to work with the institutions that exist because those are the institutions that exist. And Did Jordan Peterson, was he trying to work with Democrats for five years? I thought he was just... I don't recall that. I thought he was just uh, like crying Kermit the Frog, complaining about trans people and Black Lives Matter. And for a while, yeah, he wasn't he's... talking about. For a while, he wasn't talking about anything, because of the way he chose to use the uh, system known as Big Pharma. Also, we have a shirt in our swag shop with a uh, illustration of him, and under it, it just says Big Pharma, like like Big Daddy, <laughs> but he's Big Pharma. <laughs> that was that was funnier when he you know it was funnier two years ago. <sighs> Seems to be some utility in trying to pull the Democrats, let's say, back back towards the center as much as that's possible. But I found that I think we had some success. But if you pull both parties to the center and then there's no difference between the parties and then you end like, oh, you pull, if you get both parties to what you think is the center, then what's the point of even having two of them? I think by pull the Democrats back to the center, he means erase all of the progress that's been made in the last 50 years. Possibly. But he, it may, <clears throat> I think when these people talk about the center or centrism, I think it's just a virtue signal. Because if you ask them like what that it meant, is. they would just say, just tell you what they believe. Yep. Yeah, it is. They, none of, none of them view themselves as far right. Even though like to everyone else that's not on the far right, they are far right. In particular, the, un, and I see this on the conservative side too, by the way, with the unwillingness to see this is probably more true in Canada even, what is really at the core of this progressive ideology that stresses equity, for example, because equity... Yeah, RFK Jr.'s not going down that fucking rabbit hole with you, dude. He's not doing it. His fucking advisors told him you were going to talk about that. Probably dangerous doctrine, and as far as I can tell, it's, it's indistinguishable from the sort of Marxist ideas that swept across Eastern Europe and, and the Soviet Union and China, for that matter. Um, in the 20th century, and that still prevail, certainly in China. And it isn't obvious to me at all that the Democrats have taken this with any degree of seriousness. And, you know, that's China now just basically state capitalism, like. Pathologies on the on the cultural front. Uh, You've documented a fair bit. And and this brings us into another area that's. Look, he just said he just made a declarative statement about like equity. And he's like, I'm going to move on to something else here. Even Jordy Pete knows that this guy's not going to go there with him. Not interested in going on that car ride with you, sir. Listen to that, I guess. You've you spent a lot of time. Your last book, Letter to Liberals, I think I've got that title right, um, concentrated on the strange collusion that has occurred between the Democrats and the and Big Pharma. And this is also something I find completely inexplicable. Like 20 years ago, if you would have said that in 2020... 
the leftist types and the liberals, including the Democrats, would be colluding with big pharma. People would have thought you were completely out of your mind because. For- but wait a minute, and, and that's you're, you're you're in 2020. The president of the United States was Donald Trump, and he was out there bragging about Operation Warp Speed, which was an on-the-record, I guess, collusion with pharmaceutical companies to get a vaccine out. That was that was before they knew that they would be hounding against that. Right. <laughs> For an endless amount of time, the number yeah, it, one it, corporate it used to be of- it used to be that both parties would kind of openly collude with big pharma, uh, collude quote unquote. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really understand how like Republicans now are, they're very against certain pharma things like the vaccine. But again, if you ask them, like, should we put a cap on the price of insulin? I bet you most of them would say no. people who were liberal or on the left were big pharma and big energy. And so Wait, what? How do you explain what happened in relationship to the liberal attitude towards big pharma during the COVID epidemic? Because I haven't been able to sort that out at all. What do you think's behind that? But well, the, I, like HK, you said it a little while ago, big pharma, big pharma does a lot more than make the vaccine that we all just took. Yep. You don't have to like think like, I like also don't think that like, a pharmaceutical company uh, s- selling uh, penicillin to somebody who has a really bad infection. I'm like, well, that's good. And penicillin's fairly cheap. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's drugs that are just that keep people that are keeping people alive today that the pharmaceutical companies made. That's it. It's their it's the it's regulatory capture and it's the way in which they uh, mark up the prices on drugs when there's no generics available. Yeah. It's like if someone were to give you uh like if if someone were to give you a a life-saving food when you're when you're out in the wilderness or something but also like set your foot in a bear trap. You'd go like, "Well, I like some of the things that that person did, but I'm definitely not a fan of the bear trap." That happened kind of like a slow motion train wreck and you're right that uh, traditionally, uh, pharmaceutical industries. Although are, you'd probably you know, be screaming it because your foot is in a bear that. trap. Uh, traditionally, uh, pharmaceutical industries are, you know, it is a criminal enterprise. And, you know, I'm not saying that lightly. The four principal companies, uh, Merck, Sanofi, um, Pfizer, and Glaxo, that produce, for example, all the vaccines in America, have paid $35 billion collectively over the last decade in criminal penalties and, you know, damages uh, for lying to... Now do Wall Street. ...for defrauding regulators, for falsifying science, and for killing uh, hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, the whole opioid crisis was engineered by... Uh, by the Sacklers and by the other big pharmaceutical companies, along with uh, uh, corrupt FDA officials. And that, that is a crisis that now kills 100, this year killed 106,000 American kids, twice the number of kids that died during the 20-year Vietnam War. Uh, kids? Another good example. Kids? Did another, kids? Uh, symptom of the corrupt collusion i bet we killed a lot more than one hundred six thousand kids in vietnam and we uh you know i think you were most people that went there on our side were over 18 
pharma and the regulatory agencies and the, the capture of those agencies by that industry, you know, which has become the agencies themselves have become sock puppets for that industry. And they killed uh, between 120,000, 500,000 people with a, a drug they marketed as a headache medicine and a, you know, arthritis medicine when they knew that it caused heart attacks. And they didn't tell the public that. They concealed that from the public. So, you know, a lot of people would have said, what year was this? This was probably back when he was a lawyer. I'll take an aspirin, but they weren't allowed to make that choice because Wait, the phar pharma and the collusion. All right. Now, how many people does aspirin kill? And did they ever tell you that you couldn't take aspirin? He just, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> Laters. Uh, took that information, deprived the public of informed consent. Now, like the question is uh, how many Democrats people does Tylenol that? kill? Like all drugs have risks. And like the whole point of our system is to try and mitigate those risks and and make them clear to patients, right? So sure. you can say like, yeah, I could take this pill and it'll make my headache go away, but am I willing to take the risk of the side effects? So, sure, if like companies lie about that, yes, that's very bad. But that's not a bad system in general. And I don't remember the thing he's talking about. So I wonder what drug it is. And it, if it was like 20 years ago, then like you, you're like, well, it's been 20 years since the last time this thing you're talking about happened. You see what, you just see what I'm saying? Like time passing after, after something is important, you know, like it, like at the workplaces, it's like, it's been this many days since we've had an accident. Well, they're acknowledging they've had an accident, but they're putting up the thing to say, Hey, it's been, you know, 500 days since we had an accident where anybody had to go to the hospital here. Does that mean, does, are you going after him for the accident 500 days ago? Or are you like, oh, it's a pretty safe place to work, actually, assuming they're not lying about their sign? <laughs> Pharmaceutical lobbyists on Capitol Hill, then there are congressmen, senators, and Supreme Court justices combined more than any other industry. They give double uh, in terms of lobbying what the next biggest industry uh, gives. And, you know, they, 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 it's easy for them to own Congress still. There was an ideological resistance among Democrats until a decade ago, and, and or really uh, yeah, a decade. Um, what happened was that during—Democrats are always starved for money, for campaign money, because— Like, you no, know, everybody running for office is for campaign money. Dirty industries, and from, you know, sort of people, uh, disreputable people— um, you know, from what it, whether those are called lobbyists, the oil industry, the tobacco industry, the NRA, or, you know, things that a lot of Democrats consider disreputable. And they have unlimited money. The, the Democrats traditionally could only get big money, reliable big money from two sources. One was the labor unions and the other was the trial lawyers. And they don't have anywhere near the kind of money that, uh, you know, the, these industries have to give away. And so something changed during Obamacare, and and that was that the Obama administration and, and my uncle Ted Kennedy was head of the, was chairing the Senate Health Committee at this time. So I watched this whole thing very, you know, uh, very carefully, and was disturbed at that time. In order because my uncle chaired a committee, therefore I know something. Get out! Get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of here! power of pharma 
Obama could not get Obamacare passed without the cooperation of the pharmaceutical industry. So he basically had to make a golden handshake with the devil. And the agreement they made was that, number one, Obamacare will, will, is going to benefit you because it's going to pay for all of your products, the pharmaceutical drugs to Americans. Uh, but, and the, here was the, you know, the key, we will not bargain over prices with you which you know medicare used to do the canadian government bargains when did no 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 they just pat no 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 no, that's a big thing that's going on in fucking congress right now about being like fucking one of the pharmaceutical companies is suing suing because uh something just passed that about being able to negotiate like medicare or medicaid is able to negotiate the prices of drugs he's wrong provides health care to Canadians. I have a, a solution that would actually fix all of this. Let's just socialize health care and pharmaceuticals. But to buy drugs because they're, you know, they're much cheaper there. But here they could pay um, the, the top, they, they could charge the top rate and the Obamacare would have to pay. And that is how Obama got the pharmaceutical industry's support. And after that, it became permissible for Democrats to accept pharmaceutical money. Oh, the pharmaceutical oh I don't. I think this is probably false too. To the Democratic Party, but you know, on issues like that. Yeah, I, I would be really surprised if the Democrats weren't accepting pharmaceutical money before Obamacare. Yeah, and he's leaving out, like Chat just mentioned it. He's leaving out kind of a big industry. Ever since, like maybe around two thousand, a lot of tech companies be throwing a lot of money at Democrats. But up till twenty sixteen. <laughs> And then you had um, these, then you had uh, Trump run for presidency. And during his, uh, during his campaign, he, on several occasions, he mentioned that he believed that vaccines were causing autism. And this was anecdotal to him. He had three friends who were. Uh, it's anecdotal to everyone. Whose children had been completely. There are no uh, reputable studies that provide evidence for that claim. But Trump says he knows three people. Had regressed into, you know, lost their language. Oh, that's anecdata then. Into, um, stereotypical uh, behavior of autism associated with autism after receiving MMR vaccines. And so he and it, you know, his belief was that it, it was that the link was real. And he said it out loud on several occasions, I think three separate occasions. And at that time, anything that Trump said was immediately the, the, the reaction of the Democratic Party is whatever he says, we got to do the opposite. So even though we've hated NAFTA for our entire you know, existence Wait, of our party, if, if Trump now says he hates NAFTA, we've got to start liking NAFTA. And that, but that, so that was kind of what happened was. I don't think the Democrats hated NAFTA Trump before Trump. By the Democratic Party doyens into the same anti-science dumpster as his club. Like he just he didn't like he just changed the subject too. He said, "Oh, you know, Trump said the vaccines cause autism, and it's just like NAFTA. How all the Democrats uh, like didn't like didn't believe it because Trump said it. But those aren't the same. He's that it's not the same thing. He's trying to pull a fast one on us." Yeah. Also, there's zero evidence that any vaccines cause autism. Zero. Zip. Nada. None. So this guy is just wrong. Like He's wrong about why Democrats don't buy that. 
Uh, and he's wrong to think that like before Democrats did think that like you like you've said before, I think being an anti-vaxxer before 2016 didn't have any sort of uh, affiliation with uh, or it ran the, it ran the spectrum. With, yeah. Although not a lot of people more like moderate, pe- less moderate people, but it was like on the it tended to be on the fringes of like like sort of stereotypical, like sort of hippie people and then sort of stereotypical don't tread on me libertarian people, you know? Yeah. And it became a a tribal issue. And so that, you know, it was a culture war issue. If you were, if you, if you thought vaccines cause autism, it meant you were a Republican. And if, if you thought maybe they, if you thought they definitely did not, and that's been proven beyond any doubt. No, you can't do, you can't prove that they don't. You just say that there's no evidence that they do. You cannot prove a negative. Or a Democrat. And there was no in between. There was no dialogue. No, we already had that discussion. For, That's why. Um, dissent or debate, it was a tribal issue and it was yeah, like, like the scientific community had that, what, that had that debate and it ended in what was it like 2005 or something the Lancet rescinded that that study from uh Wakefield. Uh yeah, from Wakefield. Who then then uh, subsequently ended up losing his medical license. Yeah. So it was settled. Right. Like it was like everyone involved in the issue would would have said it is settled it is a 100 percent settled issue there is zero evidence that vaccines cause autism there was one shitty study that made the claim turns out the guy lied a lot in his study and he lied for financial reasons right lost his, his license study was discredited the end right he had his own vaccine schedule that he was pushing a lot of people forget that he wanted to separate it yeah. out into three shots and all three of which I think a company he was involved in was going to be providing. Yep. Yeah. He owned a financial stake in a competitor to the thing he was trying to discredit with his junk science. That's the way that I saw that history happen because I watched. But that's not the kind of corruption we have a problem with around here. President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago oh. home. Quote, our currency is crashing in his statement. Nope. You saw two things happen. You saw a collusion emerge because of the agreement that Obama made with big pharma companies. And then there was this twist that was thrown into it as a consequence of the Trump candidacy. So also, I'm wondering. You know, these companies were giving money to both parties for sure. They were probably giving money to the, whoever they thought was going to win mostly because they wanted to have that person's ear. Things haven't changed that dramatically since Obama. Yeah, they they will give like just like any big corporation will give money to all sorts of politicians, whoever promises to help them or who maybe whoever makes the right noises about not getting in their way too much, depending on, you know, depending on who you are, what the issue is. Maybe you, you work with what you got. Yeah. Whoever's most favorable to them, if they've even taken an interest in that particular race or whatever, then they're just going to give that the person, the person, that person money. I don't like this is it's so weird how like history never happened or if it did it started under obama it's like no get the fuck out of here (laughs) i bet i bet i bet fucking bill clinton took money from the pharmaceutical industry wasn't that long ago well i guess it's 20 years now so it's some reasonable amount of time that the laws in the united states were changed so that big pharma could advertise their products directly to the consumer 
That was actually a revolution in mess. I'm actually for that. Do you remember that Sky Rizzy video that uh, Madison Starmoon freaked out about because the airplane was writing Sky Rizzy in the sky with smoke? <laughs> and if the, if the pharmaceutical companies would have never been able to advertise, we never would have got that Madison Starmoon Sky Rizzy video. <laughs> and when they first started advertising, it was hilarious because you'd like watch somebody like surfing on grass and you'd be like, what is this about? And then you'd look it up and you're like... Oh, it's an allergy medicine. How cute. Now you can surf in the grass. <laughs> they were trying to be kind we're of vague. Like, like sticking, their, sticking their face into a big bucket of pollen and taking right. a deep breath. Right. They're trying to be kind of vague, almost like a, almost like a, like a, like an expensive perfume commercial where you're not really sure what the commercial's for, but the people in this commercial are gorgeous. <laughs> and, and now, as you pointed out in your last book, Big Pharma controls about 75% of the advertising on legacy media and even more on the news shows. Hmm? And so uh, I, I don't I think it's I think it's about 75% on the news shows. I'm not I think it's about 70. Oh, look at that. Look at that. He's like backing off of it because it's bullshit. That would mean three out of four commercials during the news show, or three out of thir- or, or you know, seventy-five out of a hundred dollars of the revenue they get from advertising comes from one industry. I don't think so. And if that, if that is the case, it's because the audience for cable is getting older. And so they yeah. need, they need more medication. <laughs> there aren't a whole lot of YouTubers sponsored by AstraZeneca. I would take that sponsorship in a minute. It would, oh my God. Do you know how many people, how many people, if there was an AstraZeneca fucking, if, oh my God, people would lose their damn minds. People would get so mad. Can you imagine the, all of a sudden we'd start getting comments on YouTube, right? <laughs> He's like thousands of angry comments on YouTube. <laughs> and what a great way to segue to our sponsor, Claritin D. <laughs> I'd be advertising like vaccines and uh and antipsychotics, like just all the stuff Scientologists and uh and conspiracy theorists hate. I'd be like, no, sorry, we're not no, I don't want the gout medication. Do you have one for do you have one for Prozac we could run? really want to piss off the Scientologists this week if that's all right with you. <laughs> sure. I think they should they should uh, do like a grassroots advertising campaign or what's it called? AstroTurf ad- advertising campaign where they uh, you know what? They you know what the great, okay, hold on. You know what the great thing about AstroTurf it means is that you don't actually need their uh, their allergy medication. <laughs> uh, well, like do a, a TikTok challenge of like taking five Claritins and then, like I was saying, stick your face in a big butt- bucket of pollen and breathe deeply. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> 5% on the news shows. I'm not sure. I think there are. I'm not sure. Me neither. If you look at the entire sort of landscape, I, I mean, automobiles may be, um, may be bigger, um, but, I, but certainly. I'm- Wait, automobiles may be bigger? Then how could it be 75%? <laughs> it, look dave it's it's a very large 25 percent it's for it's for, it's for a it's for a three three row suv so that 25 percent actually is uh 75 percent each row is uh 25 percent for each row dave 25 percent for each row news shows the evening news is kind of the is the perfect landscape to advertise um pharmaceuticals because everybody who watches the evening news essentially the entire demographic is over 60 young you know my kids would not dream of turning on the evening news 
Oh, they get their news from the, you know, from from their from their screens. Uh, well, the evening news stir is also on a screen. Yeah, as as opposed to what <laughs> his uh, screen. He's like, look at my screen. Don't look at your screens. My age, and as you know, when you get to our age, you spend a lot of time at doctors, and you're on, and those people are on a lot of drugs, and so they're watching it, and. Roger Ailes told me, I think it was uh, in 2014, and he, of course, was the... What are you doing taking meetings with Roger Ailes? Fox News. And I was trying to get... uh, I had made a doc... or participated in the making of a documentary about the impacts of mercury in vaccines on neurodevelopmental disorders in children. This sudden epidemic that had begun in 1989 of neurodevelopmental disorders. No, this is incorrect. Even Fox News was, uh, in fact, in 2014, Fox News was like, <clears throat> they were certainly not going to run it then, right? Because they hadn't gone all, all the way on board with Trump and they had, they sort of were able to still sort, sort of suggest to you that conspiracy theorists were mostly liberals, right? In 2014, they were able to suggest that to their audience, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they weren't going to run that. It, it, Roger Ailes was probably like, this is a dumb documentary. He's like, did you know that I'm here to make money? Uh, so I, I think what he's talking about the, uh, I don't know how he phrased it, like an explosion of, uh, of developmental disorders or something. What he's talking about is just us getting better at recognizing and diagnosing disorders. Like those disorders existed in like the fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties. They just weren't diagnosed. So you were just the weird kid who ended yeah. up in a mental institution later in life. Or, and there's <clears throat> some, some of the stigma was removed from um, developmental disorders and mental illness where it wasn't, you know, it, you didn't try to hide it. Yeah, so, that too. So <clears throat> if they're just going on polling numbers or diagnosis or whatever, yeah, yeah. Any, any metric for that, it's going to be a better diagnosis and of, co- and of course just destigmatization of, of a lot of things. And he, uh, he had a relative who had been affected that he believed was um, was vaccine injured. He actually agrees with me, and but, you know, he won't say so publicly. On his shows. I had this weird relationship with Roger Ailes because I had spent three months in a tent with him in, when I was 19 years what? old in Africa. Uh, what? And we had this friendship. Hmm. You know, he was a very clever, witty guy, and he had not started. Tell more of that story. He just left <laughs> yeah. the, running the Nixon campaign communications. And he he had stepped down from the Merv Griffin show, and uh, but I had this lasting friendship with him, and he was a very loyal friend, and he would always make the hosts of Fox TV to put me on to talk about environmental issues. So I was the only environmentalist for a decade that was going on Fox News, and I I looked at him kind of as a Darth Vader, you know, of what he had done to. Uh, to uh, American television and communications, but I still had this strange friendship with them. So, well, that's one of the things we talk about with these uh, ID, IDW people a lot too. That and Sam Harris suffers from suffered from that greatly and was unable to. It took him a very long time to figure out that all his all his like uh, public pals were cranks because they're like, well, I have a personal relationship with this person, so that's like that's that's important here. And you know, when we're when we're you know, when we enter the the public marketplace of ideas, I keep that in mind. And it's like, no, they all do this. They, they were like, well, he was nice to me. And it's like, well, yeah, your family's rich. You dumb fuck. 
No class solidarity like among the rich, baby. To try to get on to talk about this documentary, he looked at it. His assistant, Mike Clemente, was running the station at that time. The network looked at it, and both of them loved it. But he said, we can't let you on. And he told me at that time. He's like, love it, baby, but I'm just not going to pick it up. That's what, like what an agent says to an actor that they're trying to be nice to, right? They're like, oh, I love you for this part, but I don't think I can sell it. I don't think I'll be, you know, and that the agent may actually like the person for the part, or they may just be like, I'm not going to tell this person that they're wrong for this part they really want. They're not going to get it. I'd like to continue to be their agent because I'm in the business of being an agent. Yeah, maybe, maybe they, maybe, I don't know, maybe they did like it, but they're like, well, the, you know, I liked your documentary, even though it's full of fucking lies. Oh, Roger Ailes would, is probably for it in principle, actually, if it's full of fucking lies. <laughs> Just like these lies. <laughs> these lies don't make me money, RFK. <laughs> he said, if any of my hosts independently let you on to talk about this, I would fire them. I would have to fire them. And he said, if I didn't fire them, I would get a call from Rupert within 10 minutes, meaning Rupert Murdoch. And he said to me at that time, he said, 75% of my evening news division advertising revenues are coming from pharmaceutical companies. And he, he told me, he told me that of the 22 ads on the typical evening news show, that typically 17 or 18 of those were pharmaceutical ads. And uh, so that, you know, that tells it all. And I've seen again and again and again, you know, people like Jake Tapper, who did this, you worked with me for three weeks doing this incredible documentary on a, an article that I published in 2005 about a secret meeting um, that DEC sponsored with 75 vaccine makers about how to hide from the American public the links between autism and vaccines. They, they, and Jake I, Tapper I, didn't do that. Transcript for these. He's like, but then we couldn't release it. All right. Meetings. So he, here's how we're going to hide the links between autism and vaccine. We're going to take all these links and we're going to do nothing because they don't exist. So I published them in Rolling Stone and Jake Tapper prior as the Rolling Stone uh, publication data approached, he spent three weeks with me doing an exclusive for ABC, which he was then working for on my article, a companion piece. And the night before the piece was supposed to run, he called me up and he said, the piece just got killed by corporate. And he said, in all my career, I have never had a piece killed by corporate. And I'm so mad. But you know what? Jake Tapper don't work for ABC anymore. And he would be able to tell you about this. And I ain't heard this story ever. He's like, all my friends are influential people in media. They all are. This is like the I have a girlfriend in Canada and you can't meet her story. <laughs> Except he's naming their names, which is weird. I wonder if this is defamation of character. I wonder if we can get sued for defamation for this. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> and then uh, after that, I called him. I called him the next day and he went dark. And I've never spoken to him again, but he's become kind of this shill for pharma since then. So, um, and I've. So, I, <clears throat> here's what I think happened. I think he sat down for an interview with Jake Tapper and like tried to tell him all this shit. And Jake Tapper didn't believe it. And now they're not friends. I think that's like a more believable version of this story. I think you're right. 
I don't know that that's what happened. I just think I believe that way more than Jake Tapper was like gung ho to go full anti-vax while he was working at ABC. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. That dude's a careerist. He was not. He, that dude's like, we're not like a Jake Tapper stand stream around here. But for my God. Stop. Like, if you're going to lie, at least make it believable or at least like pretend <laughs> you can't say their name like Alex Jones constantly does. So many, uh, you know, uh, announcers on TV. Think that's what happened to Tucker Carlson? Well, I think it might be. I mean, the timing is good, but there was a lot of reasons they may have wanted to get rid of Tucker. Uh, the racism, uh, but, yeah, know, even, even for Fox, no, I think they, the racism was just too much. I don't think so. I don't think that's the reason at all. I think he represented a liability right after their Dominion lawsuit. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was saying shit about a lot of powerful people, wasn't he? Yep. Because I think Fox probably got rid of Fox News by getting rid of Tucker. You know, well, it's such a, it's a they, move they that lost, seems to be in... They, they seem to have lost a big audience. And it is weird. I mean, he Tucker was getting 4.5 million viewers a night. And compare that to CNN. CNN gets about uh, three. The, the primetime CNN has three hundred forty-five thousand viewers. So Tucker was getting more than ten times what CNN. He, he dwarfed anybody else on Fox. I mean, he was clearly the breadwinner. He was the anchor, and uh, and they 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 fired him. They were making some kind of a point, and uh, you know maybe maybe he just. Pissed off Rupert by being, you know, Fox News is a is important to us in this country, but to Rupert Murdoch's empire, it's just a drop in the bucket. So, you know, uh, may, they were getting about a million Maybe. total views prime time. Oh, no, I think he's talking about concurrent. Oh, OK. Concurrent views. OK. And pharma, it may have been uh, Rupert Murdoch's ego. I don't know what it was. Yeah, well, I wonder if a policy transformation that made it illegal for big pharma to market direct to consumer would go some distance to re rectifying this pharma problem. Yeah, I mean, well, that's right. And, and No, they'd take the marketing budget and just be like, well, we're just going to use this on lobbying now. You dumb motherfucker. What, are they just going to not spend the money? You stupid motherfucker. Into that and... Um, uh, you know, the change happened, Jordan, in 1997, and that's when um, FCC changed its rules and FDA approved, which was um, the rule before that was that there could be no direct consumer advertising of pharmaceutical products on, on TV or anywhere. Um, and the only other nation in the world that allows that is New Zealand. And, you know, because we have that rule, that's one of the reasons that we use three times the number of pharmaceutical drugs as any other European country. We the Like per capita or total? Also, we're not a European country. American today is on four pharmaceutical drugs, and it has not helped public health. It is, you know, it, uh, pharmaceutical I would believe him about per capita use. Like, we use more pharmaceuticals. Yeah, it's because... The way our healthcare system works, you have to be, you have to essentially become very ill before you will seek treatment rather than just seeking treatment as soon as you start to feel ill. So yeah, we, we, in general, Americans are much more sick and ill than 
Europeans. Now, the third largest killer of Americans after uh, cancer and, uh, and heart attacks. And our, our, we pay more for public health than any other country in the world. And I right, think- So that means that that's, that's the third leading cause of death is medical error. Is, that, is it third or I, I think it actually pharmaceutical drugs. I think it's-, it's pharmaceutical. I, I, No, uh-uh. Uh, I think he's talking about the opioid crisis. No, I don't. I, he, 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 Jordan Peterson was trying to give him an out there because I don't think, far, like, I don't think pharmaceutical drugs are the third largest killer of Americans. Yeah, and, and the source for that is the Cochrane collaboration. It's, uh, um, yeah, it's the it's a report by P, uh, by um, Peter Gosha, I think, of the mm -hmm. uh, who is the founder of the Cochrane collaboration, which is kind of the ultimate arbiter of of, of you know pharmaceutical right. companies. Uh, so it is the, the, not the, even in the top ten that I can see. What's the third largest? COVID nineteen. Oh, what about, what's fourth? Uh, accidents. Just accidents more broadly? He, I think like he thinks unintentional that's... injuries, 225,000 a year. Yeah, he's wrong. Yeah, he's just so wrong. Yeah. Unless he thinks that, like, he, unless he thinks that that, like, number is just accidents that people had with pharmaceutical drugs. But then that would mean that nobody had any other kind of accidents. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it means... Uh, like medical accidents. Yeah, yeah, it's injuries, just injuries that lead to your death. Yeah, like car accidents. Yeah, falling off a ladder, falling off a building. Um, and if they are including medical accidents in there, then medical like in the general umbrella of accidents, then that's going to be like if you separate that out, it's still it's going to go like way down in the list. <laughs> That, that produced the recent report, the Cochran Review, showing that masks are completely ineffective in relationship to COVID transmission. Yeah. No, the which study? No. Now, although I can't see how, because as you pointed out, the Cochran Reviews are, people have accepted them as gold standard for conservative reviews, careful scientific reviews for years. Yeah, you know, the, the thing is that, um, that Gates, Bill Gates, has played a huge role. In okay, so it actually, it does include drug overdoses. But it also includes car accidents and falls. But he didn't see, he wasn't saying drug overdoses even. He was saying like the pharmaceutical drugs. So like when I yeah. hear someone say that, <laughs> I assume they mean that like you took what you were prescribed and it killed you. Right. That's like what I would assume, or at least the majority of it would be that. Yeah. So of just drug overdoses, it's at 107,000. So if I go back to the other page here. Uh, where would a hundred and but I don't think he's talking about drug overdoses. It would fall a little below Alzheimer's disease and a little above diabetes in, I think number position number nine, no eight, eighth but position. Again, I don't think that's what he's talking about. And cause I, cause Jordy Pete tried to give him an out and try to say it was like medical, uh, accidents or whatever, whatever. Yeah. But I think he, I think he means like the thing that Scientology says, basically that when you're being prescribed these drugs, they are one of the most likely things to kill you. And it's just not true. Yeah. So even if you give him like the most benefit of the doubt in his argument, he's still incredibly wrong. And they've got, 
you know, they're the, the big founders of Cochrane, Thomas Jefferson, who is, you know, the, the, the leading uh, clinical trial expert in Europe, and Peter Gosha, who is the other co-founder, have both been run out of Cochrane. And the, uh, the Gates Foundation has been pumping, pumping tens of millions of dollars in. So I don't know what's going to become of Cochrane now. Yeah, well, the whole but, thing. But so people know... Yeah, so that people know he's like he's like here this is the leading blah 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 but now now bill gates is putting money in there so they probably don't know what they're talking about anymore because they're you know you probably find something more recently where they said did said that like something different than what he's claiming you know this is like these people are credible until i decide they're not <laughs> these were a group of very independent scientists who started looking at what was happening to the medical journals the medical journals get most of their money from pharmaceutical companies uh, for both advertising and preprints. Uh, preprints are the, the they, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies have these phony studies that they, they, they use their financial clout to get the Lancet, New England Journal of Medicine, or JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, to publish. And then they get a preprint, so they get the uh, they get the journal then to print out just that article, but with the cover of the journal in it, which gives it this imprint. No, 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 no. It says it's a preprint. Journals, at their discretion, will publish, will put out articles before the, they'll put them out as preprints, which means that it hasn't gone through the entire process. Maybe they want to be first on it. Maybe it's somebody who has a like a long track record of being right, so they'll put out the preprint, and they, that they tell you that it's a preprint. It says it. total legitimacy they print out two or three hundred thousand of them and they pay a lot of money millions of dollars for that run that printing run from the well land. two or three hundred that, that if they, it's millions that's only like 10 bucks an article mm -hmm. dude if it's like two million it's only 10 bucks an article what do you mean millions uh i don't think it costs that much to print one article to publish it depends <clears throat> i don't know either but um what i'm saying is he's oh he's like oh this is all this money and he said millions but the thing is he said two hundred thousand, right and so and he said they get millions for it let's say that then by millions he means two well then they're only getting 10 bucks an article <laughs> you know what i'm saying i don't yeah <laughs> and like also are there hundreds of that are the is the pharmaceutical industry putting out hundreds of thousands of papers a year i don't think so i don't think the journals he's talking about have the capacity to absorb that much material because that would be like almost that would be like six or seven hundred a day just from the fucking pharmaceutical companies and i don't think the people who read those journals would be interested in getting like all of those preprints <laughs> i don't th I, I think he's just lying yeah i think two or three hundred thousand might be the total number of scientific papers that are submitted by everyone in every journal every year but maybe not i don't know i just know that he's just lying that's bullshit you just you don't even have to like you just have to think about the ability of the, an organization to process fucking papers that come in how many people are working at each of these places Twenty thousand, thirty thousand. like they got a fucking sweatshop where people are looking at all the big pharma papers making shoes in their spare time get the fuck out of here and their pharmaceutical reps you know the former Playboy models who go around to each doctor's office. Take <laughs> <laughs> this is all that's you know what that's what you if you if you were if you were in Playboy a few times. Guess what you do now, HK? Pharma rep.
<laughs> like, he, like, what is he talking about? Also, there's a just a just a, a tiny bit of maybe slut shaming there too. Yeah, he's not wrong that that happens, but <clears throat> I don't think it happens as much as he thinks it does. I think they may want the farmer rep to be classically attractive, but Playboy models. The Playboy to farmer rep pipeline. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <clears throat> something he's very concerned about. I bet there's like there have probably been instances where the uh, lobbyists took the took lawmakers to parties where there were uh, women who had been in Playboy magazine. Absolutely, that almost certainly happened. Should give him one of these preprints and say, "Look, the drug I'm doing, Lance, it says it's a great thing." That's where the the uh, these journals make all their money. Well, so in uh, I think it was the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, these groups of scientists got together who were independent scientists and said, what we're seeing now coming out of the journals is not real science, it's pharmaceutical propaganda. Even the journal editors like Marsha Engel from the New England Journal of Medicine, Richard Horton from The Lancet, said you cannot believe anything in the journals anymore. We are vessels for pharmaceutical propaganda. They, they, but the numbers you gave are insane. We're going to get volunteer scientists from all over the world. Also, like if we'll the drugs didn't work, we would notice whether it actually was good science or where they're lying to us and do and critically read it, do it basically a second round of peer review that's real. Wait, but, but what do you mean by a second round of peer review that's real? <clears throat> so what happens to... <clears throat> Somebody puts out a study, it gets good peer review. Somebody else puts out a similar study that also is subject to peer review because they're trying to like replicate the results, right? They're trying to replicate the data. So we already do have a second round of peer review. It's on the second study testing the same hypothesis that the first person got an answer on RFK Jr. When he says real peer review, I think he means like fucking Robert Malone and Brett Weinstein and fucking, <laughs> <laughs> fucking himself, maybe Jordan Peterson. Pierre you know, Coyers, um, and they they put together this extraordinary organization of over thirty thousand volunteer scientists, top scientists, independent scientists from around the world, who systematically review journal articles to see whether the science is real or fake, and inform the public. And it's a, it was an absolutely critical organization. And you know, Gates has gone in there trying to undermine it. And oh no, he's the, see the organization was good back in the day. Like he's like. He's like, oh, this organization used to be good, and now they're funded by Bill Gates. <sighs> it's it's very very troubling. Do you ever read activity? Oh, I'm I'm so disappointed in ExpressVPN here. Uh, if you're looking for a VPN, <laughs> a go with Mozilla VPN. We talked here a little bit now about let's say the corruption of the legacy media on the news front by big pharma and you just made they're not a sponsor thing happening in the scientific domain which is really awful to see journals like new england journal of medicine and lancet and so forth and science for that matter and you're seeing it with nature as well degenerate into uh, organs that are no longer producing trustworthy science That's oh he's gonna fucking talk about how they went woke and rfk jr is just gonna sidestep that shit again real catastrophe you saw recently like yesterday, that DeSantis basically bypassed the legacy media. And Pierre Polyev did that in Canada when he ran for the leader of the Conservative Party, by the way. He just skipped over the legacy media entirely. And DeSantis announced his presidency on Twitter. How'd that and go? here you are also talking to me on 
YouTube, right? And so that's not exactly a standard political, that's not standard political practice. And yes, so it is. what do you think of, why, why did you decide to talk to me today on my YouTube channel? And what do you think of DeSantis' use of Twitter? Has your campaign also been... The Jordan Peterson show is much better produced than the DeSantis' use of Twitter, that's for sure. Utilizing Twitter, because obviously Musk has made that open to any candidate. And how are you guys, uh, how are you guys conceptualizing your move forward on the presidency campaign front in relationship to non-traditional media? Well, you know, Jordan, I've been uh, censored in the, in the corporate media for 18 years. So, but wait, you were just talking about a few minutes ago about how they were all your buddies and your pals and your pals and your buddies and your pals, and they all agree with you, buddy pal. Five, I've been actively censored, you know, not only just for vaccine articles, but for all of my articles. Um, and I was very, very active in those, on those media fronts for, you know, decades. But I've been uh, slowly censored now. It's a complete wall-to-wall censorship. And but all my friends work at CNN and Fox. Year, the last three years, um, we've... I will never understand how, around that censorship. you know, these, these so, people that have so much voice and reach and, you know, they're talking to millions of people say oh i'm i'm being censored i'm being censored by you know whoever it's like if i'm hearing you you're not being censored it depends it depends uh on intellectual dollar tree yeah it's it's going to be fairly likely that whatever we watched had a significant audience right no because we don't i mean the daily wire has an enormous audience right <clears throat> it's consistently the most popular thing on facebook Oh, it doesn't you know, deserve that audience, but it does have it. It's a non-traditional media. I was on Instagram. I had almost a million followers on Instagram at, at one point, but then in the pandemic, they deplatformed me. So hooray! I'm too little, too late. Hooray! On Instagram, is that is that the case? <laughs> Instagram and banned on TikTok. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to see what happens to you. I mean, it, YouTube. In uh, this regard, well, you know, I'm I'm assuming he was banned for his anti-vaccine right. takes. Yeah, so he's actively hurting people's health. So, well, so you know, I, I, I don't think that that's a bad thing at all for them to ban him. Like, absolutely. They should have done it sooner, and they should have done it to more people. Right, what, they, what the companies did, and I don't want to get too, uh, I don't want to go off into Narnia on this, but what they would do is they'd hold out a sacrificial lamb people and they eventually for meta facebook and instagram the sacrificial lamb that they'd hold up to the press one of those times it was rfk jr they're like look we're doing something about it we kicked off rfk jr but like they don't understand that under rfk jr are all these other networks of connected people that are just gonna like they're all already all connected so the damage is done yep you know, they've left me alone. YouTube has left me alone. It's quite surprising because I've I've said things many times that in principle should have got me in trouble on YouTube, but they haven't even put any strikes against my channel. They, they demonetized my daughter for a whole year for reasons we never did discover, but they- are telling everybody to eat beef, most likely, sir. Being completely hands off with me. You know, they, they've added those uh, warnings or clarifications now and then, especially when I talk to people like Bjorn Lomberg, and we'll get to that later, but- I don't know what it is. YouTube is YouTube has been hands off. In answer to your question, when my uncle ran in 1960, uh, television was a was a new uh, phenomena. 
And he recognized the power of television, that that would have a, a, play a key role in, uh, in that presidential campaign for the first time in history. And, you know, he was able to exploit that and to win that election. Um, in the 2016 election, Twitter played a key role in getting Donald Trump elected. You know, after, you're wrong. It was Facebook. Not true. Facebook. He didn't have Facebook. Uh, I don't even know if it was Facebook. It was just all social media uh, had some effect, but it was mostly just that like there was a racist backlash in the U.S. And it was like also like lucky coincidences of which state who won because of the way the electoral college works too. He's, you know, Trump's opponent did uh, get get many more votes than he did. So three million more votes than him. Yep. That Twitter account, he probably would not have been elected. Who knows? But I would say there's a good chance he wouldn't. Today, Twitter is still important. And I, you know, my, I have now 1.2 million followers on Twitter. You know, I really didn't start. Did, he, did he just say Twitter, Twitter is still important? On, yes. Um, freed it up. Strong you know? disagree. <laughs> Twitter was never important I, and it is continuing to not be important. No, In fact, it's becoming even less pandemic, important. I was mainly posting, you know, kitty cats and rainbows and unicorns because if i'm you know kitty cats and rainbows and unicorns well now they're real pissed off about the rainbows buddy if i said anything that was uh that was if i talked about what they'd I be pissed off at the unicorns too i would have been deplatformed but once elon took over i started you know they 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 unshackled me and um but also i think this is going to be this year is going to be the political campaign uh, that will be decided on by podcasts, and particularly because podcasts are not long form podcast. It's the future, HK. <laughs> so I not only not, not only is Biden not debating, but I think Trump may not debate. Um, and uh, um, so I think people like me are going to end up going to are going to, you know. Oh, Trump's not going to want to miss out on the chance to dunk on Chris Christie and fucking Ron DeSantis. Get the fuck out of here. Whether the, these podcasts and, you know, I was talking about uh, about Tucker having four point five million nightly views. Well, the, the the podcast that Joe Rogan did with Peter McCulloch. Got forty million views. So that, right, so, right. Yeah. So, well, Rogan's a force of nature. Yeah. So Tucker is ten times what CNN is. You know, gets and and a Rogan's audience is potentially ten times what Tucker was getting. So I think the I think the podcasts have the capacity this election for reaching people and allowing you know sort of that's a really disturbing thought to think that Joe Rogan might decide the next election election for reaching people and allowing you know sort of dissident and insurgent candidates like myself to end run the corporate media monolith and to reach large numbers of Americans without going to onto the networks. So I'm hoping that works. Now, you asked about DeSantis. You know, I think, you know, I I felt bad for DeSantis, badly for DeSantis, because uh, of what happened on his, you know, Twitter announcement where it 
it went off, you know, and I'm kind of rooting for Elon, so I don't, you know, I don't. <laughs> I feel great about fucking the fact that DeSantis' announcement was a disaster. Twitter was lit up, and uh, I am not rooting for Elon. Yep. I'm heavily rooting against Elon. Uh, he is a... First of all, he's immoral for being a billionaire. And second of all, he's immoral for a number of other things just his behavior yeah he he claims to be a free speech absolutist and if he was that would be bad enough but he's not he he promotes right-wing voices and demotes left-wing voices and but i do um i liked how he handled covid in florida there's other things that he's doing now that i don't like uh, but I do, you know, I, politics is hard for everybody. And, you know, it, especially for you. And that's, I'm going to have to put a fork in this. He was talking about long form podcasts and I'm looking at the time being like, oh, I don't want to, we're not going to be one of them long form podcasts. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> also me and HK aren't in like a really odd room just shooting the shit. So yeah, we need more like wood paneling in our rooms. I, I, te I technically there's a bunch of wood paneling behind me. I've just covered it up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Did you like every time Jordan Peterson tried, tried to bring up culture war shit, RFK Jr. Dodged it. Didn't address it. Pretended it, the question wasn't even asked when he talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then he talked about, um, equity and, uh, uh, equality of outcome. Every time that came up, RFK was like, Nope, I'm running as a Democrat. I'm not doing this. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, you were you were wondering if he was going to dunk on on uh, Jordan Peterson earlier. He didn't. There was no dunking here. Well, we're only halfway through it, but guess what? We're not watching the rest of this. You can watch the rest of this at home if you want, but I don't. <laughs> I don't recommend it. Um, <clears throat> I don't think he's gonna though. They're they're just having a very very polite conversation, and they're. Tr I think Jordan. I don't think we're gonna get any more like during the rest of this. I don't think we would hear Jordan try to do any more culture war stuff. He didn't really get shot down on it. He just got ignored. Like every time he tried <laughs> to bring that shit up. Um, this guy's not going to win the Democratic primary. Um, he's going to like raise his profile even more during this, though. Um, I don't know if there's a way that the Democratic Party can kind of put their foot down maybe and be like, well, you know, yeah, he can run and he can claim to be a Democrat, but, you know, he's not part of our party. Um, <laughs> who fucking knows? I wonder if he's even done the work to get on the ballot anywhere. Do you remember when Brett was trying to like run that campaign that one year and it turned out that like he didn't even technically have time to get anybody on the ballot because of how late he started his pretend campaign when all he was really doing <laughs> was collecting people's personal information to exploit. What was the, what was the name of that party? The forward party. Oh no, that's not right. Fuck, I forget now. Oh, unity, which is unity, which yeah. is interesting because of uh, his brother, you know, they're real big into unity over there at the Weinstein uh, <laughs> compound. I imagine they all, all the Weinsteins live on the weird fucking compound. <laughs> ah, I don't know what to say, man. Uh, this is fucked, but uh, this guy's not going to win. Yep. All right. You want to read us out? All right. Uh, so we do this show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific live on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. If you want to come check us out, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, join us live any Wednesday. 
if you are listening live, then after the song, we will come back and be doing Red Light. Uh, so stick around for that. And then uh, you can support us on echoplexmedia.com, eplex.store, and patreon.com slash echoplex. Uh, now let's hear Boomers by Periscope.
every Saturday is Cat Day on Echoplex Media, and not only are we posting fucking cats, we invite all content creators to join our open panel. Visit echoplexmedia.com slash panel to learn how to join. Every third Saturday is Operation Catterday, where we cover this week and last year and play the best clips from the cast of conspiracy characters that Now Space has learned to loathe. The show starts at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.